Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Many of our loyal listeners know that our present economic environment is not a surprise. We read the economic tea leaves correctly by focusing on key trends typically escaping the coverage of the media. In my opinion, for the most part, we are inundated daily with endless sound bites in the news cycle, but that can cause us to stray away from the basics. In other words, a lot of that is a distraction, in my view. Here are some of the basics that keep me focused on trends and data while tuning out those motivated by various political alliances to generate spins instead of analyses. First of all, political leaders and their supporters, especially those who are appointed and confirmed by the party in power, have an indestructible bias. They want to keep their jobs and continually get reelected or reappointed. Politicians have earned the lowest public approval rating of almost any segment in our economy. Statista, a service in January two months ago, puts the approval rating of the United States Congress at 18%, the lowest of any segment that they track. Another respected national survey rates members of Congress at the lowest rating and below telemarketers. Congressional members garnered an 8% positive vote for honesty and ethics versus 9% for telemarketers. For contrast, nurses rated 84% with doctors and pharmacists almost as high. I don't want to count the hours that each media source relies on politician interviews and sound bites, especially when we all know that each media source is tied to one or more of the other political parties. My answer to all the above, aside from strictly limiting myself to listening to media overviews and their information or disinformation curation biases, is to look carefully at data to identify drivers of change. Sometimes just observing how the reporting of data is massaged reveals as much or more of trends than the data itself. As a historical example, and we've covered this in past podcasts, housing prices were included in America's Consumer Price Index for 30 years, actually between 1953 and 1983. And then they were removed by the political party in power. This was likely a response by the leadership at the time to distract those who equated consumer price index with inflation, with the motivation additionally to influence lower growth in social security payments, which are effectively indexed by CPI reported indices. We've also called attention to hedonics, H-E-D-O-N-I-C-S, if you want to Google it, hedonics, continuously changed by the Bureau of Labor Statistics to recast surveyed price increases downward, having similar motives. Car price inflation is always toned down by hedonics as the assumed car improvements are deducted before leaving a lower consumer price index for autos. Never mind, 50 or 60 years ago, a top-of-the-line Chevrolet could be bought easily 
in the $2,000 range versus today's $25,000 to $35,000 range. And if you calculate that, that's a 5 to 6% compound growth rate every year, which by itself exceeds every inflation target that's been communicated by the government agencies. And many items in the consumer price index are similarly massaged down to the point that private research companies have made a pretty good living by continually estimating closer to true inflation. And in a very general term, so-called true inflation is about double the rate of the official consumer price index. Some years it's estimated to be triple, but double is a good ballpark. And why should I care? Why should we care? Well, now official inflation is reported between 6 or 7% instead of 2%. And believe me, the people who report that have tried every way possible not to report inflation that high, but it's unavoidable now. Private estimates are in the 10 to 12% range. So again, the actual inflation versus the reporting consumer price index is still about twice. The now record high reported inflation plus record levels of government and corporate debt is really a definition of the perfect storm with the Russia-Ukraine war as the icing on the cake. High inflation is reducing the profits of corporations with the worst yet to come. Even the Russia-Ukraine war reaches, even if they reach a ceasefire soon, and the Damage to the debt markets and supply chain breakages are under repair. These situations have brought us to a point where inflation and financial market instability will continue for years to come. The Fed can't print their way out of today's issues, as they've done since the 08-09 Great Recession. It's quite likely that another recession is now in progress and is a part of this perfect storm, or it adds to it. Higher interest rates won't dampen inflation, but they could cause a deep recession, and a deep recession resulting from higher increases probably will dampen inflation. But that's a pretty negative future to look forward to if that's the case, because a significant recession brings with it job losses, bankruptcies, personal bankruptcies, as well as uh, corporate bankruptcies. One question asked is, where will the jobs market benefit from today's environment? And in my view, aerospace, defense, electronics, and technology companies will continue to ramp up even more in their hiring. The government is already raising more future debt to fund more of the federal defense and so-called infrastructure spending. Congress is under even more pressure from lobbyists figuring out how to contribute to re-election campaigns, and our regard for politician honesty and ethics speaks for itself. Any profession or career may have ways to hitch their futures to these companies who will benefit, especially software designers and coders, engineers of all specializations. And don't forget about the support functions like HR, project management, contract accounting, and supply chain management. Whatever your small business is or whatever your profession is, now is a great time to figure out how to hitch your wagon to some of these new trends. And these trends are major long-term trends, so please embrace them. As negative as the trends may be, we may personally benefit for our families by embracing some of these trends in our professions.
A loyal listener asked me for my overall evaluation of where we are and where we're heading. Given all the complexity in the global market, all the changes we're seeing hour to hour or day to day, and new challenges, including the rapidly changing Russia-Ukraine war. Before I attempt to answer this inquiry in the limited time remaining today, please know that our podcasts that began pre-COVID and were intended to help you understand trends during COVID are still available to you at UCLA Extension's Business Insights webpage. Many educators, economists, and trend analysts do not make all their analyses historically available for listeners or readers for reasons you can imagine. But the reasons include erroneous guidance based on subsequent market changes and or embarrassing conclusions later proven wrong. We have none of these issues and invite you to review prior podcasts as they were recorded bi-weekly for the past two plus years. It is with a certain amount of pride that our listeners had guidance that passes the, quote, how did it turn out, unquote, test. Investors were advised more than a year ago to prepare for a high inflation and a stagflation economy. We're here now. Despite denials by the Federal Reserve and biased official economic indicators, even with that, you can see it now. Going forward, these are my expectations based on trends we've already identified and discussed. First of all, wage prices are heading up dramatically as job vacancies and available workers are in a clear mismatch situation. A part of this mismatch is qualified professionals available to the technology-related industries, even though more jobs are relating to technology enhancements. So there are more professionals available, but technology is still changing and enhancing, and there's still a significant demand at the margin. Don't forget about the chronic shortage of long-haul truck drivers. Wage prices are also heading up in the face-to-face industries like hospitality, restaurants, and travel-related. At the present time, there are about 10 million jobs seeking workers, and there are about 10 million who have left the labor market, who have retired early, who are on government support programs, and this mismatch is likely to continue to the degree that we don't guide our own professions and small companies more toward the digital domain. Secondly, the stock and bond markets are heading down as we pretty much expected. We called for the markets to head down on their own momentum at the end of the year. We were off by maybe three or four weeks. It was really January where we started, but that advice or guidance was given based on trends many months ago. We discussed this at length before the fact, but now our guidance is becoming more mainstream and our expectations continue to be future oriented. So we continue to endeavor to stay ahead of where we are. That's our commitment to you. Earnings disappointments are now occurring and stock prices are getting battered. Remember that today's stock price is an attempt by the overall market to price the stock based on its future earnings or cash flows at a rate of discount. Today we have a double-edged sword. A record high market only a month or so ago is looking at lower earnings and cash flow forecasts coupled with higher interest rates. And in this case, you can read higher interest rates, meaning higher discount rates. And the higher the interest rate, the lower the present value of a stream of cash flows. The impact on the debt markets of higher interest rates is a separate major issue. 
The present value issue, which I'm addressing, leads to lower stock prices as interest rates go up. And always remember, higher interest rates reflexively mean lower bond prices. So both markets, in my view, have entered bear market territory, and it's going to be dangerous to assume that these markets will snap back as they have over the past 10 years since the Great Recession. They're missing the vast amounts of new Federal Reserve liquidity. That's a big item to never forget. Overall, I expect the stock and bond markets will rally if and when there's a Ukraine ceasefire, but the rally won't last because of the embedded economic trends discussed in our prior podcasts. Even with a strong but temporary stock and bond rally, expect both stock and bond prices to be significantly lower by the end of this year, maybe 10 to 20% lower than they are now. If that occurs, that would be more of a typical scenario for a major market adjustment. It's not unusual to have sell-offs of this magnitude over the past 50 or so years. Looking ahead, over the next 10 years or so, the stock market may be much higher than it is today, but it could be much lower soon and next year also, and may take many years to build back. I would focus my attentions now on the U.S. and Canadian investments. It's simply too risky to consider buying stocks or bonds in Asian, European, or other countries. Many global relationships are changing, and no one can possibly know where these relationships will stand in one or two or even five years. Today, a coalition of Russia and China is a real possibility, and if a major trend in this direction gathers momentum, investments will turn from a global marketplace to more of a local marketplace, and that's a reversal of over 50 years of globalization and money flows. Sanctions and embargoes will not reverse and will likely grow. China and Russia are now really motivated to complete their replacement systems for our U.S.-dominated, dollar-based international transfer system. Again, SWIFT, S-W-I-F-T. Russian sanctions and embargoes even today will have much less impact as China buys Russia's oil and strategic materials. Keep in mind that some of these markets, particularly oil, they're characterized by fungible markets. What do I mean by that? Years ago, I worked for British Petroleum, and like every other oil producer, there were staffs of people who did their linear programming, who did their analyses of tanker movements, oil production by country, and if one tanker would be leaving port in Saudi Arabia, that tanker real-time, even way back then, could be directed or redirected to a port where there was a more of a short-term need for the crude oil. So changing needs meant changing voyages of the tankers, and it works very much that way today. It works even more efficiently today. And China, instead of buying oil from other global producers, could decide to focus their buying on Russia, which would have limited opportunities because of embargoes, but the other oil producers who typically would supply China would be open to supplying the United States or Europe or any other country. So the sourcing of the crude oil will change, and that will mitigate very substantially U.S. embargoes of energy and even precious or strategic metals. Global supply chains are getting redefined, and we may be back to a Cold War with Western Europe needing new energy sources and India becoming in play between the Eastern and Western superpowers. However, every country will likely face a new calculus, including 
the oil producers in the Middle East. Risk is growing, financial markets are vulnerable short term, and as we approach 2022-23, we need to do it with renewed caution, which means work to minimize your family's financial risks. Given that prices of most everything we have to buy are heading upward at historically high rates. We've advised for two years now to prepare for the scenario that we are in now. Reduce debts, increase savings, gain new educational credentials to qualify for higher paying jobs, and be prepared for a period of high, if not unpredictable, volatility. All of this has reality now. I remember we were talking about this last year, and I think people were sort of yawning. I don't think people are yawning now. If you think you may be overcommitted in certain investments or assets, now is the time to make a plan to reduce those risks. With stock and bond price declines, it's not hard to imagine lower residential real estate prices, particularly with increasing interest rates, are bound to follow. Maybe next year, if not this year. Yes, we're facing a perfect economic storm, which will have many political spins in the media in the weeks ahead and many financial market rallies which can be very confusing to many. But pay attention to where we are and where identified trends are taking us. Be cautious and keep your assets and risks very close to you. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director, Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.